What is up, my friends? Welcome back to another episode of the Coworking Weekly Show. As always, I am your host, Alex Hillman. This is episode number 23. And today we're going to be talking with an incredible team, Christine and Amanda, who are the team who runs Lantern Fish Press, a small publishing press that not only works out of Indie Hall, but actually met at Indie Hall. And there's a very particular reason that we asked Amanda and Christine to join us on the show. What was that, Adam? I am fascinated by the fact that they managed to do things that I've seen historically not work, but when these two do those things, they succeed in huge ways. First and foremost, just being a team that works really well in unison and separately of one another when they're at Indy Hall, a lot of teams forget about the fact that they are made up of individuals, and so they, they tend to not get the same individual value that most people get from Indy Hall. Amanda and Christine are unbelievable on that front. And uh, another thing that surprised me, a conversation I, I didn't even intend to have that we ended up having is how they managed to have really excellent internship opportunities at Indie Hall. Usually, and you and I both see this, usually people get hired, we're brought on for internships, and they come to Indie Hall, and those interns or new employees unfortunately get like a second class experience unintentionally because they don't choose to be in the co-working space. They have to be there. And it's really tough to end up kind of permeating that relationship that's been built and giving value to those people in the same way that you or I or someone who chooses to work at Indy Hall would get by themselves. Amanda and Christine have run an incredibly fascinating program for interns that has ended up bringing those interns back to Indy Hall after the internship ended. I have no idea how they managed to do that. So, of course, I had to sit and ask them, walk me through the steps. So you're going to learn a lot about how Amanda and Christine work together. You're also going to learn a lot about the independent publishing business, which I find super fascinating, and maybe you will as well. There's a whole lot to learn in this episode. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Amanda Thomas and Christine Newlieb of Lanternfish Press. So uh, I want to go ahead and start by saying I'm, I'm joined with uh, Amanda and Christine, and the two of them together form like Voltron to make Lanternfish Press. And actually, Amanda or Christine, either of you, if you would do me a favor, what is Lanternfish Press? If you could give me a, a sentence. Have you ever thought about your elevator pitch? No, not really. <laughs> and why did you hand the microphone to me for this one? <laughs> Lanternfish Press is um, a book publisher, a small press, an independent press. Um, we publish fiction and nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of look for things that are offbeat and a little bit surreal or gothic. Mm-hmm. When you say gothic, you mean of a certain time period or a spooky, spooky. <laughs> so, oh, that that makes sense. Um, you have both worked on. Um, Sherlock collection, a Sherlock collection, which is, um, I would say Sherlock is kind of spooky, right? Mm -hmm. It's got that dour vibe. Uh, And the, what else, what else fits the The afflictions? The afflictions, yeah. It's a collection of imaginary diseases that are pretty grotesque. And the difference being is uh, the the afflictions is uh, a, a, I guess it's a collection of short stories, sort of, of vignettes, ish of vignettes, yeah, mm-hmm. from a local writer. Yep. And uh, you've also dabbled, of course, with working with 
Sherlock, which is not a local writer. No, but that was our pilot project. Um, we took stories that were already written, already in the public domain, yeah. and it was basically just our chance to practice making a cool book. W- are you working on something now, by the way? So many things. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got three projects in the pipeline right now, working on a new novel, which... It's been kind of in the pipeline for a long time, but it's finally ready and yeah. starting to become a book. And we're working on an anthology of prison writing, which is a terrifying, like, Hydra-like project filled with many heads with lots of teeth. Mm. Um, and we're also working on, uh, actually, this is an Indie Hall collaboration, a coloring book, because adult coloring books are such a thing right now. Oh. We are working with a Indie Hall artist who does fabulous doodles and making a book out of that. And Christine, you have an art show that's coming up in a matter of weeks, in fact. I do. Does that have any bearing with lanternfish whatsoever? Not really, no. It's I a mean, s- it's total side project. Total side project, yep. Yeah. I do. In, adi- in addition to being a publisher with Amanda, I also do a lot of freelance copy editing, and I also write mostly science fiction and fantasy I like monsters. I keep a blog where I invent monsters, and mm-hmm. the art show is based off of that. Yeah, spirits and beasties. Yeah. I'm totally drawing the ink-eating jellyfish. This is like the great <laughs> pest of medieval libraries. Gandalf would hate them. <laughs> so this is going to be my favorite episode that we do, because someone was able to legitimately say, I'm drawing the ink-eating jellyfish, and those words mean something. So I, I appreciate that. I, I will have you know. Um, the, the reason I ask is I appreciate the fact that the two of you are members of Indie Hall. You are members of Indie Hall separately of one another, independently of one another. But you also collaborate a lot. You have a business together. You, ha- you have a venture that you started together. So on that note, what I want to do is, is actually bump out of the timeline a little bit and think about when each of you came to Indie Hall for the first time. Uh, I suppose that would be the origin story, right? When you first came here, did you have absolutely any aspirations that you would be working with one another? Did you know one another? Where was your mind? I did not know that Amanda existed. I I got here about three years ago, I think. Uh Uh-huh. And at the time, I was just building my freelance copy editing practice um, and finding very quickly that working from home all the time was going to drive me insane, which is why I went in search of a co-working space. Yeah. And I had thought... I My actual formal training is in academic philosophy. Mm. But once I finished grad school, I decided to go into editing and publishing... Uh, I worked in New York for a few years and and before I launched my freelance practice. And all along, something I had been thinking of was starting a small press. I interned for a while at New Directions Publishing in New York, which is one of the coolest, oldest, small, independent presses in the United States. Like a lot of the, the greatest foreign novels and translation that you know of most of those were brought into American culture by New Directions and so they were fantastic people to work with and just really inspiring for what you can do by staying small and independent and really focusing on the quality of the writing that you're putting out Mm -hmm. so 
I had this idea, but I knew that if it was ever going to happen, I would need collaborators because I had some of the skills, mostly just the, I'm a stellar line editor. Mm -hmm. That's, that's like my greatest strength as a publisher, but you know, like project management, not so much my strong suit. (laughs) And I knew that like some of these things, if I ever came across the right team, like this might be something I would want to launch. That was kind of about as much in the pipeline as it was for me. I got It wasn't something I came to Indie Hall to do. It was just the ghost of an idea. Sure. Sort of a, a vague ambition of, well, this would be a nice thing if it happened. Yep. Gotcha. Uh, Amanda, did you have any awareness for or expectation that you would be in publishing or that you would work with someone else in publishing? Not at all. This is the last thing that I ever expected to do in my life. (laughs) This coming from a woman who climbs mountains for fun. Yeah, I do lots of weird random things, but this was not really on on my radar as a thing that I was going to do. I came to Indie Hall almost three years ago now, too. Um, I met Christine my second day here over lunch. Wow. It was day two? Yeah. It was my second day here. It was at a, like a Thursday afternoon show and tell when Christine was doing a show and tell about her business. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just got to talking just, you know, casually over lunch and discovered that, oh man, we both really like Tolkien and made up languages. We both play violin, albeit amateurly. <laughs> and, um, we both speak some Chinese and have spent time in China. And it was like, huh. That's kind of a bizarre set of traits to share with a random person that you just met. Yeah, right. Um, and we ended up getting to know each other um, by actually like speaking Chinese over lunch sometimes, mm-hmm. and that was really cool. But like as far as my my own story goes, like I had no idea what I was doing when I got here. I my background as an undergrad was in political science, history, and Chinese language. Actually, mostly Chinese language. And then I got a graduate degree in social studies education, and I taught uh, for a while secondary school up in upstate New York. Mm -hmm. And then when my school district basically imploded, there was no job for me anymore, and I didn't really want to stay there anyway. So moved with my husband to Philadelphia to be closer to his family and closer to an airport that actually has direct flights to go see my family. Yeah. Um, and had been kicking around here for a while. I started my own business doing actually like little bits of graphics design, mostly in wedding invitations. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was getting kind of burned on that. And I had a a volunteer project that I had been working on that kind of dried up and went in a direction I didn't like. So I had, you know, some time on my hands and was tired of sitting at home. So I showed up at Indie Hall one afternoon and kind of walked in the door and went, oh, this place. And I decided that I couldn't quite sign up before I took the tour because that was awkward. Mm-hmm. But I signed up that day. Yeah. Do you, do you remember the moment when both of you thought, well, I guess my life is going in this direction now. I'm going to be working with this person that I didn't know days ago, months ago, weeks ago, whatever it was. I don't know. There were kind of two two moments for me there was like after i'd been at indie hall for a while i had actually like dusted off some drawing skills and was spending some time like doing more creative stuff for the first time in a long time one afternoon christine just like in her rolly chair came over to my desk and was like we should make a book i have cool text (laughs) layout tools i'll do the typesetting and you can draw pictures and we'll make a book and i just went okay let's do it (laughs) like it it was (laughs) just a weird moment Kids, do not try this at home. This is not the way you should found a business. I have to imagine, as you were saying that at the time, 
that's that's one of those statements that would be like, wouldn't it be funny if uh, without actually having the expectation or follow through, right? Yep. And yet here you are. Mm-hmm. I think I think the moment we realized it was a real thing is when we launched a Kickstarter to fund the printing of this book, and we hit our goal within forty eight hours. I think mostly through support from the indie hall community. Mm-hmm. Um, and we realized there was a market for what we were doing and that we were having a ton of fun doing it. Mm-hmm. So at some point we decided to just stick to what was working. Yeah. Like in the process of making the Sherlock book, we, we got our Kickstarter and we got our funding and then we're like kind of frantically going, Oh, whoa, we have to actually like make this thing. Yeah. And uh, we were actually in the process of scanning the artwork and we were filling out our paperwork for the state to form the business, like as like between scans. Um, and that was sort of like that second moment for me where I was like, oh, wow, I actually have a publishing company now, which is that's an unintended consequence of showing up at Indie Hall. Yeah. Like the last thing I expected to do. There are there are a lot of things that the two of you have done together by way of Lanternfish that now, I don't know any graceful way to say this, so I'll, I'll just say it as as bluntly as I can, uh, that other people have tried to do in a place like Indie Hall and have really messed up completely and ended up not staying at Indie Hall for a long time. And what I mean when I say that is forming a company, so growing as a company, so now you, you have one another, sometimes people end up casting other people away. I, I don't need new friends because I have my business partners. Uh, at Kickstarter, uh, sometimes someone might be ambitious to raise money and ask people for support or funds. And not everybody, you guys know this better than anyone, not everyone does that very gracefully, right? And also uh, interns. You've brought a number of interns through Indie Hall. You've brought people to Indie Hall who are patently not people who choose to come to Indie Hall they just have the ability to come here and, and work with you. And all of these things have worked, and you are both still here. How is that possible? And I'm, I'm saying this from the vantage point of watching these things and saying, this doesn't normally work out this way. But something is very different. Something is really special. You, you put in a certain amount of work that has made it work every time. You, do you have any idea where that comes from? Um, I think one thing is that both of us have always been really focused on putting putting the people first, like mm. the people who are involved, the people who are directly collaborating with us, the people who are sharing the space with us. Because, you know, a small press is the kind of thing you start because you care about writing and you want there to be excellent writing in the world you're facilitating communication between an author and an audience. It's not the sort of thing you start hoping to get picked up by a venture capitalist. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, it's not that kind of thing. So because it was very important for us to like focus on who we were collaborating with, that we just had a kind of people-focused style of doing business from the beginning. The other thing is small press publishing you are facing a lot of obstacles that huge publishing companies with huge infrastructure don't face, like how to get distribution, how to you know, actually get your product into bookstores. Mm-hmm. And 
we figured it was important to us to leverage the one major advantage that we had, which is being small and lean and maintaining as little overhead as possible. Mm-hmm. And being in a co-working space has allowed us to keep our company nimble and flexible and just like fully take advantage of the place where we're at right now. Yeah. Now, you mentioned um, that you have certain obstacles that you have to face, like distribution as an example, uh, or really all of the obstacles uh, that come under the umbrella of being a small press. Um, Something that it is something I'm reminded of, as you said, that is you've actually taken a lot of opportunities to inform the rest of the community about what those obstacles are and the significance of those things as you were doing them. It, did it ever occur to you that that was an important thing to, to share some of those hardships with the rest of the community surrounding you? I don't know that it was so much important in like the way that you phrased it there, where it was like this really thought out thing, at least for me. I, I think learned... you've offered a unique glimpse into your world that some people take for granted, don't think about. Well, I think that, at least for me, from my perspective, I didn't know a lot of this going in. I don't have any background in publishing. Like, I was completely naive about these processes, and Christine has taught me, like, all of these different steps and all of these different issues that have cropped up. And so, mm. like, as I'm learning, like, I've been sharing that with other people because a lot of people don't understand the economics of how this works. And it's definitely a situation where the deck is pretty stacked against you so if you're not like really into that project that you're making and the collaboration that you're involved in it's just not going to happen and it's been interesting to share that with people sort of as we go because i think just about everybody i've talked to has been like oh wow i didn't know it worked that way that's that's unfortunate Mm -hmm. um and i i really hope that it changes the way that people see books as like pieces of artistic work yeah and i i really hope that it that kind of awareness eventually changes the way that people are willing to buy books. Now, I remember specifically both of you doing a show and tell since we do the show and tell series at Indie Hall every third Thursday. And you both volunteered to do a show and tell about the logistics of distribution for small press. And that was a, an, an interesting revelation for a lot of members, myself included, in finding out what it was that both of you were working on and how I can help you where I fit into the support group. Um, had, had you thought about like how beneficial that could be? Because I feel like that was really a boon. That so many people suddenly found themselves in your story. Like, oh, I get, I get to help with this. I mean, I feel like it was sort of just a natural extension of the process. Yeah. Our first collaboration here in the Sherlock Holmes series was one of those things when we talked to other people at Indie Hall who we knew and said, you know, we have this idea, like, should we do it? The only answer that we got back was JFDI. Mm. Um, And, Mm -hmm. like, sort of turning around and sharing the process of actually making the thing and figuring out how to sell the thing was sort of the reciprocation of that enthusiasm. And since then, lots and lots of Indie Hallers have come to me with, like, odd questions about the production or publication of books and it's been really cool to be able to turn around and share all the things that we've sort of learned along the way with other people who are coming at it from a different direction or with a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Well, given that both of you have your, your own individual membership of Indie Hall and you, you came here separately from one another and you do work together uh, when you are here, do you schedule your days so you have a day in which you only do lanternfish stuff, you both work together all day long, or do you do it more... 
um, I don't know, atomic, where you just find times throughout the day when you can uh, huddle around a project? I would say in practice it's more atomic. Yeah. Because we're both working the publishing work in around our freelance schedules. And not only that, it's a little bit unpredictable when stuff's going to come in and when deadlines are going to fall because we're, I mean, publishing is such a collaborative endeavor. That's one reason why we like to share the information about how a book gets made because a lot of people just never thought that much about the number of people whose work goes into making a book. You have, I mean, an editor, an author, a copy editor, a proofreader, a layout person, a, you know, just there's there are so many moving parts to this, which is why a lot of, I, I hear people say so, so often, oh, that's too high of a price for an ebook. You know, I'm not getting a physical object. Like, what is that money going to? That money is paying all of those people. Yeah who the had effort. to work really hard to create the thing. Mm-hmm. The, the paper is one of the smaller costs of actually making a book. Mm-hmm. Now I forgot where I was going. What was the question? <laughs> uh, I think it was, uh, it was along the lines of, of finding out wh- how, how do you decide what you work on when you were coming here, given right. that you do have your own membership and you have things that you do outside of uh, the collaborative work of Lanternfish. That's what I was going to say. Since we have not only the two of us, but this wide circle of collaborators, like we're always waiting on people to get stuff back to us. There's always people who are writing to us and needing us to do things. And so just with that many moving parts, you basically end up squeezing work in where you can squeeze it in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have one day set aside for us to like be in the same space and collaborate on things when we need to. And apart from that, we just... Play it by ear, although Amanda is a genius with calendars. I'm pretty sure that my value add in the publishing company is that I'm a calendar queen and spreadsheet ninja. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's a really good point. Is Both of you are bringing very different skill sets to the table. And you, clearly you had a lot of things uh, in common when you first met one another. But you also leverage your individual skill sets. Was it pretty quickly realized that... Uh, Amanda, you are very great at organizational stuff. And um, Christine, earlier on, you, you said already, holding myself to deadlines or, or accountability, not really my strong suit, but I'm a great line editor. It, were, were you aware of those things right out the gate? Yeah, I think that became clear pretty quickly. Like, um, actually, at the when Christine and I first met, one of the things that happened is Christine sent me a draft of her novel that she's working on, hmm. which I read and enjoyed very much. But it became very evident to me that I was working with someone who could like have the flu and be miserable and still write something considerably more brilliant than I will ever write in my entire life. (laughs) I, it was really interesting actually working with someone for the first time who just had a writing skill, which was so far above and beyond like anything that I could imagine myself doing. Mm. Um, and I think that's one of the things that really made me step into sort of the more like, production and organizational role because that's something I know I'm good at and then I got to practice actually a lot when I was a teacher so like I get to do the things that I'm really good at and Christine gets to do the things that she's really good at and we both are learning some of these things from each other as we go which is really cool Mm -hmm. I I want to remark on something I brought up earlier which is uh, your bringing in interns and being very successful in doing that because I want to say, before I even ask you any questions whatsoever, that your, your process of bringing someone here 
hiring someone and bringing them here and allowing them to see what's really good about Indy Hall is phenomenal and has completely blown me away as a person who has seen it not work well time and time and time again. So straight up kudos, you're amazing at that. And I'm wowed by it still. So I wonder if I were to go all the way back uh, and, and answer a question that I think is really basic, why did you decide to bring interns to Indy Hall to help you? Because we had more work than we could do with just the two of us? <laughs> really simple answer. <laughs> yeah, we needed help with some things like social media and publicity. But, you know, for us, bringing interns to Indy Hall, one of the advantages that we felt we could offer to a, an intern who's a college student who's getting credit for their internship is the chance to experience an alternative working environment. Mm. Like this is not, they're not getting a cubicle in a big corporation. They're getting exposure to the Indy Hall community. They're seeing that like there's more than one way to be a working professional. And so we really encourage them to like gain all they could from that aspect of their internship and like reach out and be a member of the Indy Hall community, talk to people who dif do different things, explore their own skill set and interests here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think actually that's that's something that played into it for me too. I mean, we had a lot of discussions when we decided that you know we were going to bring on interns about what that experience should be, and we both come up through a, sort of an educational experience that you know results in being just out of school and looking at things like unpaid internships. And neither of us feel particularly good about having an intern who isn't paid, and we wanted to make sure that the experience that we created really gave them something that was valuable to them. And I know like one of the things that I really wanted to communicate to our interns was that like credentials are great and education is great, but the thing that really stands between you and the thing that you want to be doing is doing the thing. Mm. One of our first interns actually asked me like what I had done in my education and preparation to be like ready to work in publishing. And my only response to that is that my only qualification for this job is that I want it. Mm -hmm. I have no background in this at all. And I'm picking up the parts of the process that m I have the skill set for, but it's not like I set out with this particular thing in mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I, I really appreciate about what you offered to your interns is you offered an actual facilitation of those people to come in and draw value from Indie Hall. I think it's very easy to invite someone here and think or expect perhaps that they will just figure it out for themselves. Um, given that you, you did say, uh, Christine, that this is an environment that they haven't had before, a student hasn't had before. So I'm, I'm curious, if you were to give a piece of advice or two to someone who is going to hire and bring someone into a co-working space, how do you help that person actually get value from being in a co-working space? Don't let them sit with you. Oh, Tell me more. What do you mean? So our, when we've had our first round of interns come in with us, then these are college students who are in a really new environment and like had a hierarchical relationship with us. Like we're their boss. Right. And so the sort of natural tendency being in a space filled with people they don't know was to always sit near one of us. Mm -hmm. And that went on like that's okay in the beginning, like to get people comfortable, to help introduce them to people and to give them like a safe space to get acquainted in. But after the first like two or three weeks, it was like, you can't sit at my pot anymore. You can sit anywhere else you like, 
but not at my pod because you need to go out and you need to talk to other people and have your own space where we're not always looking over your shoulder and that you can settle in and focus and do your best work like in a less supervised kind of way. Yeah. And I think that was, especially with the first set of interns that we brought in when we really first learned this, that I think really changed the nature of our relationship to them because it gave them both more freedom and more responsibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I... Yeah, I was impressed by your ability to have people sit uh, separate from you. Uh, I know it, it works both ways. You know, not only is the 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 new hire going to be more comfortable being near boss or somebody that he or she already knows, um, but I think it does work both ways. In that, yeah, you would want to be close to the person that is doing the work for you because you want to be able to peek over their shoulder and make sure they're doing the work. So it speaks volumes that you have a form of trust in that person. Yeah, and we both have teaching experience also, which I think facilitated that process. Mm-hmm. Now, you are working on a book, you said, of prison letters right now. Prison writing. It's a collection. It's an anthology. Mm. Um, we have some writing from people who are currently incarcerated, and then we're collecting writing also from just on the subject of incarceration from other writers. And it's it focuses on writing both fiction and nonfiction that really has a strong sense of place and that like uses the five senses to really give the reader an embodied experience of what the piece of writing is about. So... That's like the thread that holds the collection together. Mm-hmm. The piece that you're working on right now, that project, is this something that you could have worked on when you first started as a company? The anthology? Yeah. No. Why Why would you say that? Anthologies are very complicated to put together. A lot of authors. I mean, the more the more people are involved, the more exponentially complicated the project becomes. Yeah, this is, I think, a very, it's sort of part of a progression. Like the first book that we worked on were these Sherlock Holmes reprints, and those were really convenient. The author was dead and couldn't complain. (laughs) Um, And then we worked on The Afflictions, which was with an author that, you know, we got to know pretty well and who lives locally in Philadelphia. So this was a pretty, like, friendly negotiation, and we learned how to negotiate a book contract and how to actually follow through on these things and work with, you know, an author who wanted more control and more say over the way that their work was presented. Mm -hmm. And having done that now, you know, like we're more comfortable going out and soliciting, you know, now we're working on a a novel as well. That's from someone who isn't local and who we have, you know, the added burden of distance to deal with. And then, you know, there's also this anthology, which has a lot of moving parts. So it's been a progression. Mm -hmm. The novel is fantastic, by the way. It's called Salamanders of the Silk Road, and it's coming out in September. Yeah, I'm so glad and you, that should you read just it. said that. I'm very happy that you just said that. And the, the cover, if I'm not wrong, if I'm not mistaken, the cover uh, you collaborated on with another member here at Indie Hall. Yeah, we're developing a graphic design collaboration with another member of Indie Hall who has an aesthetic that kind of meshes with ours very well. And so he's doing cover designs for us this year. Mm-hmm. Last question, and I swear I'm going to let you both go. A productive day at Indie Hall, whether you are working on Lantern Fish, whether you are working together, or if you are focusing by yourself and getting things done, 
what are what are the components of having a really good kick-ass productive day when you're here what does that feel like you know indie hall for me is a very collaborative environment I'm not usually going to come to Indie Hall on a day where I need to just be very head down and have no distractions and yeah. like pound out work. I'm going to come to Indie Hall on a day when I want to talk to 20 different people about various things that I'm working on. Like it's it's I'm a really social person and if there's lots of friendly people around, you know, having their breaks in the kitchen at different times, like I'm going to want to go talk to them and so I just try to leverage that as much as I can when I'm here at Indie Hall because, and that's how things like like the Spirits and Beasties art show happened, and it's how things like publishing collaborations happen, and yeah, I just try to use it as a really great collaborative space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, I mean, I'm here more frequently than Christine is, but for me, one of the best things about Indie Hall is that it is separate from like being at home. And for me, that separation between like I'm at home doing home things and I'm at work doing work things is really important to me. And I didn't realize how important that was really until I was here. So for me, a productive day at Indie Hall, it definitely has some of that head down time. But I also need that time to like socialize and get to know people in the space. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, when I'm here, I probably spend two-thirds of my time you know like head down with headphones on or like really focused on a particular task but the rest of the time like it's grabbing lunch with people or b team and going to get comics or just hanging out to chat in the kitchen or grabbing coffee with someone who's become a friend since i've been here like that collaborative element and staying in touch and getting to know people in the space has been one of the best things about Indie Hall. It seems like uh, not having the pressure to only be one thing or only do one thing is helpful to you getting the most out of this this whole place. Yeah, for sure. Great. That's all I have for you. What do you have for me? No, oh, yeah, I was gonna say if we, I think if we, if you came here with a really rigid and preconceived notion of exactly what you were gonna do and who you were gonna do it with, like you might be able to do that, but I'm not sure you would really be getting as much as you could out of this space. Would you say that that's, that's influenced the way that you work together in, in the projects and the way that you work on those things? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that not being just rigidly or, or solely focused on work while we're here is one of the things that's led us to have like such an awesome friendship as well. I mean, like the reason we're doing this podcast instead of actually giving a talk for this summit is because we're going to be gone backpacking together. Mm-hmm. So we've become friends even outside of all these other things. And it's because we take the time to actually spend time together here. And that, I don't know, is one of the coolest things about Indie Hall. Now, I'm going to expect that you write a book about your backpacking experience, of course. I suppose that depends on how many crazy adventures we have. <laughs> I want to thank you both for uh, sitting here and doing this very awkward thing, which is uh, putting a microphone too close to your face and uh, and sharing a little bit of your stories with me. So thank you. Thanks both. Now get back to work. 